Ricky Stenhouse Jr. came away with the big upset win at the Daytona 500. We're going to break down all the action from that race, including the controversy of the commercials. We'll also be going over all the action from the Xfinity race and the truck races, including junior motorsports drivers fumbling the end of their race and the lack of racing we saw Friday night at the truck race due to weather. We break it all down on this episode of 3 Wide. Before we get started on this week's episode, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Hunt to Harvest. Now, Hunt to Harvest, they are back with us for our second season here at Three Wide, and we are excited to have them join us again. Right now, they're having a special sale on their long sleeve and short sleeve shirts, as well as a new special called the Mystery Box, and that is where you can get three shirts chosen at random sent to you for $33 and $11 a shirt. With the high-quality shirts you get from Hunt to Harvest, you can't beat this deal. So head on over to hunttoharvest.com, that's H-U-N-T-T-O-H-A-R-B-E-S-T.com, and you just simply click on the mystery box option there at the top, select the size you want, add to your cart, and when you go to check out, be sure to enter that promo code RADNEY18923, that's R-A-D-N-E-Y-18923, for even more savings at hunttoharvest.com. Now, Friday night, they got the regular season kicked off for the truck series where Zane Smith repeated from last year's win in what was a weather-shortened truck race. And it felt like this race never really got going. It, there were multiple cautions due to, to the weather, red flags for the rain, and you could tell NASCAR was being a whole lot more cautious with how they attacked the track with the moisture in the air compared to last fall's Daytona race where... As you may remember, the Cup Series going into Turn 1, it was raining, and the whole field wrecked going into Turn 1. They were obviously wanting to avoid that situation again, but still credit to NASCAR for trying to get to the finish. There was a red flag with 26 laps to go. Zane Smith was leading, and fans were actually calling for the race to be called. I was very surprised to see that because normally fans are like, hang on, let's, let's try and get this finished. I didn't think it was we had hit that point yet where, where it needed to be called. I think it was still worth a shot to try and go, go to the finish, go to the distance. The radar looked pretty promising. I don't think the track was completely lost. And 26, 25, 26 laps to go, you could get through that pretty quick with these truck races. So it, it was worth a shot just to try and ha- have an ending, you know, the complete distance. Now, when they went back out on the track, because they did attempt to get the race back going, the mist, the rain, it all picked back up. NASCAR pulled them back down onto pit road. Shortly after that, they did call the race. Now, I believe they handled everything correctly. They tried to give the fans in attendance, the fans that are watching on TV, a, a chance to see a complete race. But these pit crew guys, they had been out there since 7, 8 o'clock that morning been working all day on these trucks. So it, it was going to start becoming a safety issue, sending these guys over the wall to to service them to do the pit stops. And with that last bit of rain, I, I, I think it was just time to to call it. They, they handled it amazingly on, on how they handled this weather. Now, in the action of the race, drivers like Rajah Karu, Daniel Dye, Haley Deegan, they did not get to the start of the season that they had been hoping for. Haley was very competitive in that 13 truck. Raja and Daniel, they were having solid days. You could tell just trying to to learn. And 
survived to the race. Unfortunately, it ended on a sour note for all three drivers. And now, like I said, Haley, she was able to get some stage points in stage one. So that softens her blow a little bit. But Raja going into turns three and four, he had a major run. He had gotten some help behind him going into turn three, had a lot of momentum and shot to the inside. Unfortunately, just could not hang on to it. There was not much of a gap there. He spins out. Daniel Dye gets collected in that accident along with many others. And looking at this, I think it was just, it was such a tight space. And with such a run that he had, I, I don't think he knew really what to do with that run as far as what his options were. It all happened so fast. And look, this is a young kid. He's a rookie. I expect him to go back and watch the replay of this incident. I expect him to prepare much better for, for the next super speedway race, which will be Atlanta. So I, I have no, I have no doubt he will have that taken care of by the time we roll around there. Now, some drivers who had very impressive season kickoffs were Christian Eckes now driving that 19 truck, Tyler Ankrum back with the 16 truck and Colby Howard, who was with a new team. They were all very impressive, especially Tyler Ankrum. He led 15 laps. And if the race had stayed green, if they'd have been able to finish this race off, he'd have been a contender. He'd have been one to watch up there near the front. Uh, Christian Eckes, he was another strong truck as well. I, I think those guys really could have made some noise if they'd have been able to. Uh, Corey LaJoy, he had a solid race in his truck for Aspire Motorsports. He led 19 laps and was in the lead in what wound up being the, the final restart of the night. Unfortunately, he got stuck in the middle going into turn three and just got shipped straight to the back. And just 10 laps later, the final caution flew and the race was over. So definitely what might've been for Corey. We know how talented he is, especially on the super speedways. This is one that, that I think will be pretty tough to swallow, especially given with the way Atlanta last summer broke down, but I mean, he can be competitive with Spire Motorsports at these tracks, so don't, don't you know, don't sleep on him when when the Cup Series goes to Atlanta here in a few weeks. And you know, with the lack of consistent racing, it's really hard to put a gauge on what to expect from here on out. Obviously, Speed Weeks it, it, it's kind of everyone's work from over the winter, a chance to show off. But I feel like it, this. Next truck race, which will be in Vegas here in a couple of weeks, then we'll start to get a true feel for for who's going to be the drivers to watch, who's going to be the more competitive drivers throughout the truck season. You know, Zane Smith, you can go ahead and I think pencil in. He's going to be strong all season long, as well as drivers like Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, Tom Majeski. I think Christian Eckes is going to be set up for a huge year this year with that 19 truck. And Haley Deegan is going to be one to keep an eye on, see how she competes and one of the top teams in the truck series. So with Saturday's Xfinity race, Austin Hill repeats from his win last year. He's making it two for two for the drivers repeating, looking to repeat their wins from 2022 and a photo finish on the backstretch after Sam Mayer goes from leading the race to flipping upside down, down the back straightaway. And the biggest story of this race is how Junior Motorsports just fumbled the end of this race. They had positions two through five, and you could see they were just really biding their time. You had Austin Hill leading, 
and they were just kind of taking their time waiting to make their move on Hill because Austin was just sitting duck. These four guys used to go wherever they wanted to, and Austin wasn't really going to have much of a shot. And Justin Algar, he was the first to break away with two laps to go. He was in third. Josh Berry was in second. So you would have thought Barry would have been the first one to make the move and everyone just kind of follows suit. Now, TJ Majors did say on this week's episode of Door Bumper, Door Bumper Clear that the plan was for Josh to make the move with one lap to go and everyone kind of follow and let these four drivers settle among them, amongst themselves. But it didn't work out that way. Justin Allgaier, he jumped out of line with two to go. He was running in third, as I said. I don't know if he got tired of waiting for a move to be made. I don't know if he felt like we have to make our move now. We can't wait till the white flag falls. Or, you know, if he maybe got confused with what the plan was, he he may, I don't know if he saw Barry might be getting ready to make a move and he just anticipated it and made it too early. I, I'm not real sure, but it was very poorly executed. J Justin jumped out of line. And after that, it was pretty much every man for themselves. And, you know, it, these guys ended up finishing. Justin Algar came away with a third place finish. But besides him, you had Brandon Jones in 14 because he wound up getting spun by Josh Berry. After all, heck broke loose for the team. Josh Berry finished 26th. He ran out of gas during the caution leading up to the overtime. Sam Mayer finished 27th. He was leading, going down the back straightaway. He had just overtaken Justin Allgaier, who got a huge lead, got too far ahead. Sam Mayer was able to get by him. And Austin Hill came up with a strong run. And as Sam went to try and block it, it, Austin was just coming with too much steam and Sam made the move a little too late, wound up getting him out of shape and, and he flipped over on his roof. These four drivers probably should have ended up being the, you know, first through fourth when the checker flag fell. And however, whatever order they did, Josh Berry was the first in line. He probably would have been the guy to get the victory. They could have taken the control of this race and now the question is, what well, what happens? I'm sure the competition meeting at Junior Motorsports was pretty interesting. You know, Junior, he preaches teamwork. Don't beat yourself. Don't beat your teammates. And now he's coming back with, you know, quite a few torn up race cars. So I'm sure that this will get straightened out by the time they go to Atlanta here in a few weeks. And you will see some better teamwork. Everybody will be on the same page. And if anybody does break away from the plan, I, I, I'm sure they will be um, they will be reminded of, of where what they were supposed to be doing. But breaking away from the junior motorsports controversy was uh, Parker Retzloff, a guy who I've been very high on since he started making part-time starts last year with Ryan C's team. He finishes in fourth place to get his first top five of his career. Solid start to his first full-time season, his rookie year. And now the real fun begins. I'm really looking forward to watching him throughout the season and see how he runs. Um, as I said, I'm very high on Parker. I think this is a, a guy who can surprise a lot of people and really become a star, if anything, in the Xfinity series. And hopefully one day we'll get a true shot in the cup. But moving from one Parker to the next, we had some controversy with Parker Kligerman as well and Jeffrey Earnhardt. Parker... He, he had a rough race. He spun Sheldon Creed and then later cleared himself in front of Jeffrey, sending Jeffrey Earnhardt into the wall. 
And this is all while Jeffrey's running in the top 10 here at the end of the race. Ruins what would have been a strong finish for Jeffrey and his Alpha Prime racing team. And it, it all gets taken away from him. And after the race, I was pretty surprised Parker in his interview was very adamant, very, very strong in that he did not do anything wrong. He never made contact with Jeffrey. It, it was just one of those deals. Now, Jeffrey did not think so. He, he didn't see it that way. He stated in several interviews how big of a problem he had with Parker's move, deciding it was like a talent, and so on and so forth. And they even had a conversation. Jeffrey went and saw Parker going to his holler. They exchanged words outside of the garage. Ultimately, Jeffrey took him back to the car where they had a little bit lengthy conversation. N not real sure what was said between the two, but it definitely didn't look like they agreed. Now, Parker did tweet out later he did go and watch a replay and and said he he did mess up he did you know he, he did make contact with jeffrey that this wreck was on him it, it's the first race of the season i know tempers were hot between these two especially jeffrey i don't think this is something that you see bowl over into future races where you see retaliation i, I think this is more of a case of in the future whether it's Atlanta, Talladega, Daytona, or anywhere else, if, if Parker's in need of help and, you know, Jeffrey might make it a little bit harder on Parker. He might make Parker have to work for it, you know, but that's the name of the game. You, you, these guys are out here to win their biggest, their, their number one goal is to do what's best for their team and themselves. So, but, but I don't see this being a long-term effect all in all with the Xfinity race it, it was the first true racing you felt like you watched after the truck race Friday night. And it, it was a solid, solid race. I hate it finished under caution with the, the backstretch photo finish. John Hunter Nemechek was so close to getting that first win with Joe Gibbs. So it's another season solid start for him. And I think he's he's going to be one to, to watch as well as far as being a championship contender. My pick right now, I think who you could pick for the final four when we roll to Phoenix, Cole Custer, he's the heavy favorite to get a lot of wins, be a championship contender. I think John Hunter is going to be a guy to contend for a final four spot. And outside of those two, I look at guys like Josh Berry and Justin Allgaier. I think Josh is due for a big season. And if this weekend was any indication, I think he has a chance to be the top driver for junior motorsports. And Sam Mayer, I think he's going to have finally get into victory lane this year. He'll make a, a better run, deeper run into the playoffs than he did last year. It, it's going to be a fun Xfinity Series season to watch to see who will step up and kind of start filling in those wins that, that are left empty with the departure of drivers like Noah Gregson, Ty Gibbs, and A.J. Allmendinger. So on Sunday, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. comes away with the biggest win of his career, as well as the biggest win for JTG Daltrey Racing, winning the Daytona 500, his third career win. They locked themselves into the playoffs, and that alone will help this team out financially in a huge way. They already will get the huge purse for winning this race, as well as a big jump in the point standings. Being in the playoffs, they'll jump, I don't know how many positions from last year, but they'll be looking at quite a better payday this year as compared to last year. Now, Ricky, he did have to overcome two overtime restarts, hold off Joey Logano, and what was the second overtime finish where the caution fell after they took the Y. It was a photo finish, much like the Xfinity 
race the day before, and Ricky was just ahead of Joey when the caution fell. So big win for him. And looking at this race as a whole, first off, starting out was the crowd. The crowd looked awesome for this race. NASCAR, they had announced weeks ago that this race was a complete sellout. They had sold out all the, the seating in the stands, as well as infield passes, camping. So this crowd was huge, and especially across all weekend. It was the biggest crowd they'd seen for the truck race, for the Xfinity race in quite some time. So a solid weekend for NASCAR attendance overall. Now, unfortunately, the biggest controversy of the race was the commercials, the commercial breaks that Fox Sports would go to. And it's unfortunate that this has taken up so many talking points across social media from fans. Instead of it being this huge story with a single car team winning the biggest race of the year, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. locking themselves into the playoffs, the focus has turned to commercials. That has been the constant debate on social media with, with fans, with people, personalities involved in NASCAR like Mike Joy. And fans were sounding off on all the commercial breaks. I honestly did not pay much attention to it at first. It, it seemed like a normal race. I mean, you're going to have a bunch of commercial breaks. That's how these TV companies make a profit. That's how they pay their bills. And this being the Super Bowl of NASCAR, you're going to see a lot more commercial spots. Now, where I did first notice it or really stuck out to me was after the first big wreck in stage two. They had just went to commercial. They did a side-by-side -side commercial break coming out of turn four. Big wreck happens. And whereas normally they come right, pull, pull you right out of break and go into the action like they have before. You know, I remember the 2002 Daytona 500 where they had a big crash in turns one and two. It was during commercial break. They immediately came back showing the wrecks, the end of the wreck happening and, and started breaking down all the carnage. Whereas this time they stayed in commercial break. They came back, didn't really discuss it. They might've shown a, a quick replay of it and went back to commercial break. But as far as the commercials go, this was nothing new from what we've seen in years past. Now there was a, a graph put together by a fan on so on Twitter I saw uh, it was from GP Laps he did a NASCAR commercials in the Daytona 500 breakdown he did it through three different races and in 2001 he put up there were 19 commercial breaks he missed 75 laps of the race green flag lap 71 so percentage of green flag laps we missed with ads was 35.5% now, in 2010, there were 20 commercial breaks, 54 laps under green missed for a percentage of 27%. And Sunday's race, the 2023 Daytona 500, there were 23 commercial breaks with 58 green flag laps missed, leaving a percentage total of 29%. So really, the percentage is down statistically from 2001, which was the first race Fox started covering the sport and covering the Daytona 500. So as I said, it, it's nothing new. I think it's just a simple fact of social media much more prevalent today than it was back in 2001. Fans are more active on social media, sounding off on the on the negativity, what they don't like, instead of pointing out the positive. Now, with this new TV deal coming up here in the near future, could we see any of this change? You know, it, there's been discussions of NASCAR going to streaming in some sort of way 
will that help? Will that limit commercials in any way? I, I'm not sure. I thought about what could be a solution because you see all the people complaining, but don't see a whole lot of solutions. What if, and this is just a, a question for fans in general, and for those of you listening, if NASCAR came out and said, okay, on our NASCAR app for $4.99, $5.99, $9.99, whatever the price may be a month, you can watch the races partnered through Fox Sports, and it will be with limited commercial interruption. We'll still show commercials, but it'll only be during uh, cautions, whether it's stage breaks or any accidents, debris cautions, what have you. And when it swaps to NBC, we'll do the same thing with Peacock. You can subscribe to them, pay an extra fee, and you will have limited commercial interruptions. Would those complaining, would you be willing to pay an extra fee to see a more straight NASCAR Cup race? I, I, I'm, part of me, I, I wouldn't, simply because you see, the numbers I just gave you for the Daytona 500 is pretty flat across the board. We're down a little bit from how it started in 2001. And that would be an interesting thing to throw out for NASCAR fans because I'm sure there are plenty out there that would pay that to avoid any commercial breaks during the action. Now, it, it's just going to have to be wait and see right now till, till the new TV deal breaks. I don't, I, I, I see Fox Sports, I don't see them going anywhere. They're probably going to stay with the sport. Is there things I would like to have different on the Fox sports broadcast? Absolutely. I, I'm not a big fan of the cartoon characters during the, the intros and when they're showing, you know, shots of the driver stats during the race, I would love it if they'd go back to just a simple driver shot, show off the car with the sponsor. That's much more my preference, but as far as commercials go, the guys in the booth can't control that. That that is how these companies put on can put on this sport for us to watch it on TV. However, you may do it. So I I don't really want to pick a whole lot there at the TV partners because they got to do what they can do to bring it to us fans. But going back to the race in general, we had a pretty decent race. It was really quiet, really calm there at the beginning. It started picking up there in stage two. Drivers getting more aggressive. We had a big crash in stage two during that commercial break. It took out drivers, some heavy hitters like Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Chase Elliott. Chase was knocked out of the race. Uh, Tyler Reddick, he was knocked out of the race. But Ryan Blaney, he was able to continue and came home with an eighth place finish. So a solid bounce back for him. But Blaney was the overall favorite for a lot of drop for a lot of fans. Just wasn't meant to be his year. And just like it apparently was not meant to be Kyle Busch's year. Yet again, there was an excellent battle there at the end between Roush Fenway Keselowski and RCR. You had Keselowski leading and his teammate, Chris Buescher, pushed him. Kyle Busch being pushed by his teammate, Austin Dillon. And Kyle, he seemed to have a very strong car for it to be a backup. It would have been really interesting to see how his primary car would run. it In the duels, it seemed to be very fast. I think he would have been a lot more competitive even in the primary than he was in the backup. But ultimately there was a late caution that came out. RCR had the first two spots and coming to the choose cone, they decided to line up 
side by side on the front row instead of say Kyle takes the inside Austin lines up behind him to give him that push they were going to try and control that race from the front row and hold off any challengers behind them kind of settle it between themselves that ultimately did not work out that backfired on them because shortly after that restart and overtime there was a, a another crash and that took out Austin Dillon from contention and ultimately Kyle Busch he came home with a 19th place finish so a disappointing finish for those guys. And even Ralph Fenway, uh, uh, Chris Buescher did come home fourth. However, Brad Keselowski would wind up finishing in 22nd. So that was, that was, if it could have stayed green, it would have been interesting to see those two guys battle it out for the finish. Alex Bowman started on the pole. He had a, a, another solid day, led 12 laps, finished in fifth place. AJ Allmendinger finished in sixth. Solid starts for these guys. But two other guys that I was really impressed by their runs. Number one was Travis Pastrana. He finished 11th in his Cup Series debut. First Daytona 500 and started dead last, finished 11th. He overcame some pit road miscues. And there at the end was in the running to get a top 10 finish. Unfortunately, he was the, the start of that final wreck in the second overtime. After they took the white flag, he was getting pushed by Eric Almarola and Spun him out, sent Kyle Larson into the wall, but Travis was able to be scored in 11th place, and it was a solid finish for him. Um, he did say in a post-race interview that this this was it. He'd be willing to come back and run some truck races for, like for Nice, like he did Friday night, if that opportunity becomes available, but said it's difficult to jump into these cup cars with the amount of talent and competition out there on the track and be competitive. And it sounds like he didn't want to get out there and kind of mess with the drivers that do this week in and week out, which I can respect, but I would love to see Travis in the cup series more often. Uh, I loved his energy. He brought throughout speed weeks. Every interview was just full of energy, full of excitement. You can tell he was just truly enjoying himself no matter what. And, and it was a breath of fresh air from what we're used to seeing with, with other driver interviews throughout the season. The other impressive driver was Riley Herbs. Now Riley, this was his, Cup Series debut, he was able to finish in 10th place, driving for Rick Ware Racing. And Trey Ryan sent out a tweet, and it says, Riley Herbst is now just the fourth driver in NASCAR history to earn a top 10 in his first career Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series start. And he is the only driver in NASCAR's 74-plus years of existence to get a top 10 in his first Cup, Xfinity, Truck, ARCA, ARCA East, and ARCA West. So he has solid debuts across the board, and no matter what series he he has, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. Obviously, he has yet to win an Xfinity race, but he was more consistent last year, and, and I, I think he can take that next step forward and possibly get himself in victory lane this year, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets an, another true opportunity to race in the Cup Series outside of this. But before we finish off the, the Daytona 500 coverage, Going back to the winner, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., you know, this is a team that historically is not always that competitive. They were good on road courses when they had drivers like Marcos Ambrose. And outside of that, I mean, it was kind of hit or miss. Then they get Ricky Stenhouse, who excels on these super speedways. But with the confidence they're having right now, this is a team to keep an eye on. With the combo of Ricky and his crew chief, Mike Kelly, who was his crew chief back in their Xfinity racing days with Roush, 
where Ricky won back-to-back championships. This is not a team to sleep on. You know, they, they showed a lot of confidence in their press conference. You know, they were reiterating, this is not a one-off. This was not just a, a one-off win. They feel like they can win more races, be more competitive this season. And obviously, he's going to be the one to watch at future Super Speedway races, Atlanta, Talladega, when they go back to Daytona. But also keep an eye on him at Bristol Dirt. He's an uh, excellent dirt racer. And Dover, where he had a second-place finish last year. So... I'm sure now they can focus on trying to get playoff points if they're in position, possibly to sneak in another win or two, and they could surprise a lot of people. Now, uh, are they a threat to get out of the round of 16? Well, it depends how the rest of this playoff field shakes up, but they're definitely one to keep an eye on to kind of be an upset pick to, to maybe be a little bit more competitive than they have in years past. But All in all, solid Daytona 500, and now the real work begins, and we get ready to go to Auto Club Speedway, where now we get to see who really does have the speed and can be our more competitive drivers for this season. So now NASCAR gets ready to start the West Coast Swing. We will have Xfinity and Cup Series action at Auto Club Speedway, and what looks to be the final race on this current configuration after this weekend's races, NASCAR looks to be going ahead and turning this track into a short track. This is a move that just overwhelmingly has been just talked down by the NASCAR drivers and fans alike. They're not fans of this move. Auto Club Speedway is probably one of the more popular tracks on the schedule right now. Just with its wide racing groove, you, you see the cars really get spread out and you can run anywhere on the track you have lots of options and it puts on some exciting racing and it's quite a gamble nascar is making with this move because if they go out for this first race at at a short track california speedway it it, if it doesn't go well if it is just a a stink show then drivers are going to be very vocal about it after the race in their media sessions whether it's after practice qualifying the race drivers are going to let their feelings be known Fans on social media, you think they were loud during the commercial breaks. I guarantee you they'll be even louder if the short track just does not deliver. And they'll probably still be loud, even if it does deliver, because everybody just loves this track. I hate that they're touching it. If you wanted to do another short track, you know, there's plenty of space. If you want to do it on the West Coast side, there's plenty of area where you could do that. At just build a new track instead of tearing down what is really your best track on the schedule right now. But on the Cup Series side of it, the three drivers to watch this week, I feel like, is Eric Jones. Eric had a very strong run last year and really kind of gave us a preview of what his season last year was going to look like. He had a solid season in that 43 car, probably the, the best season for that team, for that car, in quite some time. Daniel Suarez, he's going to be another driver to watch. He was up there in the running, you know, and could have easily won that race. And, of course, Kyle Larson, he he was very strong last year, led 28 laps and, and gets, the, gets the race win. So he'll be looking to defend that race. On the Xfinity Series side, for some reason, the, the drivers to watch, obviously Cole Custer, since he's won that race last year in a race that belongs to Bobby Daughter's team, but was put together by Stuart Haas Racing. He led 80 laps. In that race, so he is, I think, going to be the guy to beat. Outside of that, 
for some reason, and he's just kind of sticking in my head, watch out for Sheldon Creed. I think this is where he can kick off a solid sophomore season as at this track. I just got this feeling he's going to have a strong run. And also, Riley Herbst, he got a top 10 there last year, but was up there in, in solid contention most of the race last year. So I think Riley will kind of kickstart off his year looking pretty strong, like he can get into victory lane. All in all, it's going to be a great weekend to watch racing. It, this will be your last time most likely getting to see a race on this track. They will not be back in Fontana next season. The The track will not be ready by that point. So I, where NASCAR goes with replacing that on the schedule, I, I have no idea. But be sure to tune in over the weekend. This, this is a great track for racing. Very entertaining. It, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of Three Wide. As always, thank you for joining me and listening along. Be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast from and head on over to our YouTube channel, which you can find in the description below and hit subscribe over there as we'll be getting ready to release race reaction videos every week. And we also want to thank huntharvest.com for their continued support. So be sure to head on over to their website. Let us let them know that we sent you. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week and we will meet same time next week for all the action at Auto Club Speedway.